Now, that is a response. You saw big changes from the Pelicans and Brandon Ingram in their win over the Hornets. I'll break down what we saw and why it'll help going forward. Plus, the Pelicans traded Kyra Lewis Jr., and I'll tell you the next steps for them before the NBA's trade deadline. It's Thursday's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Let's go. are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Thursday day after the Pelicans destroy the Charlotte Hornets 132-112, a dominant victory. They set a franchise record in this game when it comes to three-point shooting. I'll tell you what that is and why it's important. Before we get to all that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here, the number one Pelicans podcast, Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. We're going to get into some deep trade talk, the kind of mechanics behind the reasoning for that Kyra Lewis Jr. trade. If you're an everydayer. If you're not an everyday or become an everyday, if you're an everyday or you likely already get it, but I'll tell you kind of what the next steps are and the fact that this doesn't preclude them from making another deal or even going into the luxury tax, even though they just ducked it. But I also want to look at the three-point shooting in Brandon Ingram's game. So let's start with that here because in literally yesterday's show, I said they just got to play better. That loss to Dallas sucked. That was a big game. And they didn't step up for it. Brandon Ingram had an awful night. The rest of the team didn't really step up or play well either. Zion was okay. They weren't good. They just need to play better. And coming into this game, what could be a trap game, Charlotte has just lost three games by embarrassing fashion. You know they were going to be hungry to get a win. Coming back for the first game after a long road trip, that's usually a scenario for a loss even against bad teams. The Pelicans didn't do that. They lit it up in the first quarter, struggled a little bit in the second, but then took charge in the second half. And they were led in that first quarter by Brandon Ingram. He was awesome in this one. Third career triple-double, 28 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds, Three steals, just two turnovers, perfect five of five, five of five at the free throw line. Did I say five of nine? Perfect five of five. He was seven for 11 from the three-point line, eight of 19 overall. So he scored 28 points on 19 shots. You know, one of the things I talked about was his mid-range jumper and his mid-range shot in the last episode, right? When you rely on that so much, if it's not falling, you're going to have a bad game. Real as simple as that. It's just not an efficient shot. You need efficiency. That's something that he has struggled with at times. You want to know how you can raise your efficiency? Go perfect five of five at the line and make seven threes. Seven for 11. Seven for 11 from three. Eight of 19 overall from the field. Do the math there, right? That's one of eight for every other shot. When he shoots the three-point shot like this, it opens things up so much 
more for him. One, there's efficiency there. It means you can have a bad shooting night in other areas, but if you're making your threes, well, then it doesn't really worry, and you can still score 28 points on 19 shots. That's really great. It's just excellent numbers right there. In the first quarter, he was four of five from three and had six assists. We'll get to the assist number in a second here. But it just means that when you're relying on the three-point shot and he can be a good three-point shooter and he took a variety of different ones, pull up in transition, all of the above, right? Spot up threes. All of those were great. He needs to shoot more threes because it leads to nights like this. It also then just opens things up. As I said, six assists in the first quarter. He had four main threes and six assists. That's an absurd stat line in one quarter. It just opens things up, right? That's a big part of the reason why he had 10 assists on the night. The team, the Hornets were worried about him. They were sending guys at him. You know, they'll let you take those mid-range jumpers a little bit, even if it's kind of B.I.'s shot. But because it's just the least efficient of all the shots he could take, they'll let him have it versus other things. But when you're shooting like this on the three-point line, they put a guy on you. And that means there's more room for guys to cut for passes to get zipped around, and it just opened things up tremendously for Brandon Ingram. We said, be better, and he stepped up. Good defense from him, too, which he's been doing. He was just, frankly, awesome on the night. And then the three-point shooting was contagious. The Pelicans in this game set a record. 25 made threes is a franchise record and marks just the 44th time in NBA history that a team has hit 25 or more three-pointers. That's a fantastic stat and something they absolutely needed to be doing more of. B.I. taking those threes is big because he's one of the guys that's going to get the most shots. So if he's taking more, it means the rest of the team is going to be taking more here. But it had guys going in a rhythm. When you throw two guys, one guy at Brandon Ingram, because you're worried about him, guys like C.J. McCollum are going to be open. He was four of nine. Trey Murphy, five of 12. Jordan Hawkins, six of nine. Hawkins, who has definitely supplanted Jose Alvarado in the rotation, will spend more time on the rotation and that battle in particular in tomorrow's show. I want to spend more time on that. We don't have it in today's show because of the trade and things. We'll look at Jose Alvarado, his role, Jordan Hawkins, his role in the rotation overall, because that's something that I think you're going to really kind of see influenced going forward. When you have Hawkins, you can go six and nine off the bench, be a sharpshooter, right? When you have Trey Murphy going 5 of 12 and both of them playing around Zion Williamson, Zion was cooking too. He had 9 assists in this one, right? He only had 13 points, but you don't need him to go and score that much when things are open like that, right? He was using his court gravity to draw defenders in and then kicking it out, and he was kicking it out to the right guys that are going to make the opponent pay. You've heard me say this for like three, four years now, right? When you play with more shooters, it's more players that can make the opponent pay for their defense. Trey, 5 of 12, that's great. Jordan Hawkins, 6 of 9, right? Even Herb Jones got in on this, 2 of 3. The guys you want shooting threes took the threes because they were on the court. Brandon Ingram, 7 of 11, you want him taking threes, that was good. CJ, want him taking threes, right? Dyson Daniels didn't need to take a three, or he took one three, but didn't need to take a bunch of them because Trey Murphy and Jordan Hawkins were getting more minutes. Najee didn't need to take a three because Trey Murphy and Jordan Hawkins were getting more minutes. The stuff matters. And when you have Zion playing like that, dishing the ball, drawing in the defense. These guys are going to be open. Those are the guys that need to be playing around him, not those defensive-focused lineups. And we'll talk again more about that in the rotation in tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Pelicans. You don't want to miss that one, so make sure you subscribe. Become an everydayer. Listen to that one 
because it's going to break it all down and kind of why they need to lean more in on offense, something that's kind of going to kind of be a continuation of what we've talked about a lot here on Lockdown Pelicans recently. But there was also news because they made a trade, sending Kyra Lewis Jr. off to the Indiana Pacers. I'll explain the mechanics behind this, what the Pelicans are getting back. They are getting something back, and I think I have the amount. And why they did this, why they did this now, and what it means for the future. That's coming up in the next two segments of today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, though, I'm here to tell you about Prize Picks because Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros, sharks. You pick more or less on the stat projection for two to six players, and then you watch the winnings roll in. And with the NFL playoffs here, right, you can pick combo projections across multiple sports, football and basketball. You can take Trey Murphy and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. And withdrawals are easy. They have easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types. And that's what makes PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. So if you want to get in on the action, go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is promo code. Uh, that's prizepix.com slash locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100 when you use code locked on NBA prize picks. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is also brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Job knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the right tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals. Think about that, a billion, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resource to hire. And so with LinkedIn, that process is intuitive, quick, quick and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. And thank you for making locked on Pelicans your first listen today into every day. We are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know. Just got into this game again. All they needed to do after that Dallas loss was play a little bit better, step up. The team delivered against a subpar opponent. One thing that I've said is a mark of a good team, and I was even talking about this with people at the arena, is this Pelicans team doesn't really play down to the level of the competition. They might not always play up to it. Dallas isn't a bad team, but you weren't going to lose. They, they've made sure they weren't going to lose to the Charlotte Hornets. I love that from them. That hasn't always been the case with this franchise. So to see them just taking care of business against bad teams, it's what you're supposed to be doing and getting quality wins as well over some very good teams shows you the talent level that is here. Hence why that rotation is tight all of a sudden more on that in tomorrow's show. So become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday so that you don't miss out on a single episode. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Comment down below. Let me know if you are an everyday. For your second listen, did you hear Mickey Loomis's press conference? I was thinking about coming on like smacking some gum, chewing gum, making it awful to hear me, all of that. 
Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast was actually with me at the game against Charlotte here. We were talking about that. Oh, that press conference was rough. He's going to break it all down over at Locked On Saints. Everything you need, black and gold. So let's get into some trade talk. Kyra Lewis Jr. officially gone. The Pelicans even sent out the confirmation like official email. So here's the trade because it's a little bit complicated. It's two separate deals kind of. Right, This is all part of the larger trade of Pascal Siakam being traded from the Toronto Raptors to the Indiana Pacers, which I love for the Pacers. But I also love that he was traded there instead of to two other teams, and I'll tell you who those were. So the trade was the Pelicans send Kyra Lewis Jr., a 2024 second-round pick, and the Pelicans receive cash considerations. They're going to get back probably about $110,000, and that's it. You needed to use a second-round pick to dump Kyra Lewis Jr.'s contract. This now gets the Pelicans below the luxury tax line. That's important. That is definitely an important thing because they've wanted to avoid it. You know, we can criticize the Pelicans for not paying the the luxury tax and things like that. I don't think dumping Kyra Lewis Jr. is... Worth paying, you know, I don't think Kyra Lewis Jr. is worth paying the luxury tax for. So I don't really have a problem with them doing this move, even if it's a pure salary dump and them just basically being cheap. I'm okay with that because now they have a little bit of room against the luxury tax, which they didn't have before. So this was a smart move by them. And I like that they did this because it shows some long term thinking here. I'm trying to pull up their current cap sheet and see where they are here. They now have about 2.785 million uh, breathing room against the luxury tax. All told, when you factor in the savings of the salary currently, the fact that you would have to then pay tax on the luxury tax on top of the salary, right? So it essentially doubles the salary there. And you also then wouldn't get the revenue sharing part of the luxury tax payments. Bobby Mark said it's about $18 million. That was, I think, what I say, 16 was my projection when we did a luxury tax episode kind of talking about the trade season. They did exactly what I told you they were going to do. They were going to shed him just to get under that. And if you could get this deal done now, then you could. Once the Pacers got Kyra Lewis Jr. this trade, then they rerouted him to Toronto. So he's going to end up there. So the Pelicans save 16 to $18 million plus probably about like $110,000 that the Pacers are going to send the Pelicans. That's the minimum that you can send. So a couple of things with this. Yeah, they, they ducked the luxury tax now, but it doesn't mean they're going to duck the luxury tax overall at this trade deadline. They still probably will, but it doesn't mean they for sure will, right? As I said, Kyra Lewis Jr., a guy that wasn't playing for you, your 14th man is not worth paying the luxury tax for. If you can get an upgrade, a Jared Allen, someone else, if you think Jared Allen's an upgrade, and I'm not sure that I do, a Tyus Jones, someone that's much more impactful than Kyra Lewis Jr., that's worth paying the luxury tax for, but not for a 14th man. So they very much could still be active at the NBA's trade deadline, which is on February 8th, right? You know, it does limit the amount of salary that you could bring back. One thing to keep in mind with an NBA trade when you're over the cap teams, and for the most part, everybody is, the salaries need to be equal. They need to to match within a certain limit. There's a little bit of wiggle room plus and minus on that. So losing Kyra Lewis Jr. in 5.7 million kind of hurts that a little bit. It means you've lost some of that money that you could send out and you could take that money back. 
That would keep them in the luxury tax, of course. It doesn't mean they won't be active. They could still get about a $20 million player. That's kind of what Jared Allen's making. It probably takes them out of the running for like a $28 million guy. Not that they would have gone that route anyway. It does limit a little bit maybe of what you're capable of doing. But overall, I think it's a fine move because say a trade, and we know they're working the phones. I can tell you they're working the phones here, but say a trade doesn't materialize. You don't want to be stuck on deadline day being like, Oh crap, we got to dump this guy now because we won't be able to do it later. And now we have to pay even more. This was probably an opportunity cost for the Pelicans to dump Kyra right now and just kind of get away from this and not have to stress about it later or use more assets for everything like that. You know, I also wonder if some of like the recent play here from some of the guards and you're seeing the guard rotation kind of solidified a little bit, you know, does mean that they're not going to go that direction, right? Tyus Jones, a guy that I would like the Pelicans to go and get, makes $14 million this year. How do you make that work in terms of salary? That's where losing Kyra Lewis Jr. and that 5.7 is kind of weird. You could package him, someone else, and maybe make that work. But now, you know, any trade for a guy making like 15 million or more almost certainly needs to include Jonas Valanciunas or Larry Nance Jr. And then at that point, you're trading a big for a guard and then your need for another big man, if there doesn't already exist, and maybe it does, you know, kind of comes back to the forefront. So you're kind of trading one problem for another or one position of need for another there. And so that's not an ideal situation for this team to be in either. So this was a move to duck the tax right now, but I do think it hints at that they're probably looking at big man upgrades, even if I don't think that's the direction they should go, if they end up making anything happen at the NBA's trade deadline. I do think this sheds some light on kind of what's next for them or what they're thinking is, right? You just saw Jordan Hawkins take a rotation spot. You still have Jose. Do you need another guard? I'm not sure as much that they do if they're going to play Hawkins like that, though I still would like one and maybe play him over Dyson Daniels, but we will see. And we'll talk more about this in tomorrow's show when we talk more about the rotation, what to expect going forward. This trade does do something else for the Pelicans in terms of roster construction, though. They now have 13 people. You've got to have 14 people on your roster. You can have 15 total. So what's next? What do you do about that open roster spot? I'll give you kind of the breakdown of it, what I expect the Pelicans to do, what you could see, and how it actually opens up more flexibility for them. That's all coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about game time. Look, Buying tickets can be frustrating. You want to go to the Pell's Suns game on Friday, get those cool Pelicans Mardi Gras hats. Going to be one of the bigger collector's items, probably the best giveaway they've ever had. It can be frustrating trying to do that unless you go to game time and they're going to make it super easy for you and we'll save you a little bit of money on it as well, right? Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You get to see the view from your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You're getting good seats because you picked them. And they have the all-in price up front, so you're not going to get hit with like fees or anything. You're getting the best deal possible before you even check out. And with Game Time Guarantee, it means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference, so you have peace of mind with your purchase. 
Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. We're making it cheaper to go to a Pell's game. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code Locked On L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Also concerts, comedy, basically everything, or simply a Pell's game. And thank you for making Lockdown Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. We'll get into the rotation tomorrow and Friday show, get you set for the weekend here with a big game Friday night against the Phoenix Suns. We want this one, don't we? Really want this one. The Phoenix Suns have everybody healthy the other night. We'll see if that continues here. And... Now we're going to break down a little bit more of the roster talk. Before that, though, I want to hit on one thing here about the Pascal Siakam trade, because this actually applies to the Pelicans here. This trade of Siakam going to the Indiana Pacers, two thumbs up in my book that he didn't go to a Western Conference team. You know, the Pelicans are hovering, because the West is tough, right, in the sixth and seventh spot. They're going to be six, five, maybe. No, the Dallas one, two. So they're going to be in the sixth spot tomorrow. Dallas will be five, right? Sacramento's right there, kind of in the mix, two at seven. Those are teams that the Pelicans are going to be competing with for playoff seeding, those two teams in particular. Both of those teams have been linked to Pascal Siakam. Siakam would have significantly raised the ceiling of both of those teams. Sacramento, I think, has been trending downward a little bit this season. Um, and recently they're on a three game losing streak as I'm recording this. I don't know if they ended up, it's probably not even finished yet. Let me see if their game is done or if they had played, I'm doing this in real time. Did they not? They didn't play tonight. So they're on a three game losing streak. I thought they played. They're on a three game losing streak, right? So they're trending downward. Now they play the Indiana Pacers actually ironically in the next game. They're trending downward. Dallas has been up and down, right? It's tough to know what to make of that team. Even the Locked On Mavs host texted me. Nick Ang said, you should go listen to Locked On Mavs. Really good show, actually. Uh, after the Pelicans beat them, he was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. This is something that the uh, Mavs do. And then the Mavs beat the Pelicans when the Pels had everyone healthy. And he's like, I don't even understand this team that I cover, right? So the Mavs are going to be up and down. The Kings are kind of up and down, but trending downward. And... They could have used this upgrade, and now he's not going there, right? That's huge for the Pelicans in terms of kind of the playoff seeding and teams that they might play in the playoffs or other things. So that's, I don't know, I'm pretty excited that he went to the East and the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers, by the way, if you just love the NBA, are one of my favorite teams to watch, and they just got even more fun to watch. So, I don't know, Pacers are going to be great. That really solidifies them as kind of a second-tier team, in my opinion, in the Eastern Conference. But enough about that does benefit the Pelicans, though. What to do about a roster spot? You have 13 contracts right now. You need to have 14. You can have two weeks after a deal like this to get to 14 guys. So the Pelicans have a little bit of time before they need to do anything right now, right? Rosters can be up to 15 guys. Two-way players do not count. So they have a couple of things that they could do. They can sign a player. They can sign Carlo Makovic, right? One of their draft and stash guys in Europe. You can sign another player who's a free agent in the NBA right now. You can make a trade. We'll get into that one in a sec. I should have let, led with that one last, right? You, you can convert a two-way guy. Maybe Matt Ryan. I've said maybe there's potential you just give him a full-time NBA contract. You don't need to. You could keep him on the two-way deal, right? There's no reason not to. 
So you could do that. You can convert one of them. You can sign guys on 10-day contracts. They're most likely going to do this. You know, the trade deadline is February 8th here. You know, they have two weeks before they need to really do anything with this. And then you could sign a 10-day guy and that's going to count on your roster thing. You can kind of shuffle through those guys for a period of time till you figure out what to do. So there's no pressing need for the Pelicans to fill this roster spot just yet. They're running 10 guys right now. You know, if they have 13 guys in the contract. You got plenty of wiggle room there with everything. That's kind of, I think, the plan going forward. They're most likely going to sign a guy to a 10-day contract in a week or two, and that'll be that. You could also make a trade, and I think this is why the Pelicans did something like this. One was the opportunity cost of just doing this now. It was cheaper to move Kyra Lewis Jr. now rather than trying to see if a team was like interested in him and maybe you could get away without the second-round pick. Just do the deal. Be done with it. Leave the Pelicans one future second-round pick that they can trade right now. That's in 2030. That's the last one left. They could make a trade and... Bring in players. You can do an unbalanced trade. You could send one guy out and bring three back in theory. I don't know if that's exactly the way that it's going to go for the Pelicans here. I would be a little bit surprised if that was the case. But it means you could also send out two guys and bring four guys back or three guys back, right? It gives you the option for something like that if you want to maybe kind of solidify things down. You know, guys that could potentially be on the block are guys like Najee Marshall, right? You know, could you trade him for someone or does he need to be included in a deal to kind of sweeten the pot? Because look, he's a hustle guy on a cheap contract that's easy, but he's going to be a pending free agent and they're likely not going to really have the money or be in position to try and go and re-sign him here. So they're going to do a little, I think there's going to be some forward thinking when it comes to it. And I would not be shocked if Karl Makovich is signed to like an unguaranteed second year or third year contract to bring him in here and put him on the team very cheaply next season. So there's a number of different directions they can go, but there's no rush to do it. Again, we'll get more into the rotation in tomorrow's episode of Locked on Pelicans. So make sure you don't miss that one. But it gives the team a little bit more flexibility. I don't think they needed a ton of flexibility. Having one open roster spot was good. That still helps you in an unbalanced trade. But this is not necessarily a sign that they're doing something like that. It was just, I think, simply... They can move on from Kyra and it, that was going to happen because he's not worth paying the luxury tax for. So now we look towards the trade deadline. We'll have more talk about that, get into rumors and other things. There's some things floating out there about what this team is looking to do. But the Pelicans did the one pressing thing they needed to do, and I'm happy to see that. We can chill a little bit about the luxury tax. If you want to know more about that, there's a show from last week, the week before, talking about all of that and how it was going to influence everything the Pelicans did at the trade deadline. They can still get a deal done. They can still go back into the luxury tax. Kyra just wasn't worth paying it for. There are guys that are worth paying it for. It's going to be a fun trade deadline. This team has some potential here. They're looking good. This was a great win. More three-point shooting is a good thing. We'll talk more about the rotation, how it's going to impact Zion, BI, why they can do all of this going forward and what they need to lean into just a little bit more in the Friday episode of Locked On Pelicans. For now, though, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Pelicans Podcast. Become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday. And I'll see y'all tomorrow where we're going to talk about the rotation.